Thank you, Glenda. Good morning. Being attacked. Just ignore that for now. Have you seen that video on Facebook? If you're on Facebook, it's it's really fun. It reminded me of carrying carrying that up here. Uh, it, it, what the claim is is that if you're carrying a ladder, you can get anywhere. And so it's these video of these guys that, that, that have a hidden camera, and they're just walking into random buildings carrying a ladder, and they just walk straight past the front desks and walk into the back. It's really it's it's really fun. I I thought it was funny. I don't know. I guess you guys don't think that was very funny. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here this morning. I woke up and uh, it was really cold in my house. I usually get up early and, um, and, and head to the gym, but it opens late on Saturdays and Sundays. And so I got up to start going over my notes and I put my big, my big heavy blanket on and fell back asleep on the couch. And so I, I snoozed until about 7.15. So, but I, I, I love this time of the year. I love hoodie weather. I love jeans and hoodie weather. I think it's probably my favorite season. So, but like I said, I, I'm glad to see all you guys today. Um, I guess mostly because if, if, if I'm not a hunter, but if next week starts hunting season, I imagine we'll be missing some of you next week. And so I'll see you guys in the uh, winter or after Christmas. But uh, uh, I, I am glad to see you. I hope we have a lot of fun here. I'm glad that we're a part of a church that can laugh and hug each other and, and just have a good time. We've been in a series of lessons that we've been talking about the idea of what happens or, 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 or what happened when, when Jesus came. Uh, he, he showed up as somebody who just changed all the rules. Uh, he did not play by the status quo. He was perfectly comfortable with changing the way that things were, regardless if that was rules that were imposed on them by uh, another nation, regardless if it, was, if it was rules that their traditions had placed upon them. Uh, he, just, he just changed the rules. And so last week, what we looked at was what we, we, we said that when, if Jesus showed up, the people that we would expect him to go to and the people that we would expect him to begin to recruit as part of his team would be the elite, would be the, 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 the hyper, the super intelligent. In his time, that would have been like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of that day, right? Or maybe even because the people were expecting a military leader, maybe he'd go hang out with the army and the generals and, and the people that would be in charge of that kind of thing. But that's not who he went to at all. He went to people that were like you and me, and that's who he decided that he wanted to work through. And that's just, it's so odd to me. Because if I'm looking to start a revolution, if I'm looking to change things, right, I'm not the guy I would be looking for, right? I'd be looking for somebody that's got some degrees or somebody that's got some muscles, or, right? I'd be looking for somebody that, that is maybe a little bit more competent. But he goes, no, you are exactly the type of person that I'm looking for. Because whatever it is that you lack, he says that I can make up the difference. I want to use the weak. I want to use the people that nobody else would look at. I want to use the looked over, the hurting, the broken. And that's just such good news. Well, after that time, Jesus begins traveling around, and he moves from village to village, and he's preaching, and he's teaching, and, he, and he's doing some healings. And, and I, I had an odd thought that, that I, what, what I was going to say was he just does some, some general healings, but there's nothing that's just kind of general about it. Right? I think sometimes when we read the Bible and, and we look at some of the miraculous things that Jesus does, that we can just breeze by some of the things that would have been miraculous to people. Oh, that's, just, that's just what Jesus did. But on one occasion, he showed up in a town, and, and one of his followers, Peter, uh, his mother-in-law had become ill, and she was sick, and she was in bed. 
and and that's one of the people that Jesus that, that he healed. Now, later on in his ministry, Peter would deny Jesus. I'm thinking maybe there's a correlation between the two. Him healing Peter's mother-in-law? I don't know. Okay. I thought that was way funnier, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. If she's listening, I love my mother-in-law. But that's one of the things that he does. But then shortly after that, he does this, the, he, the story that we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, it, it's what happens. And so if you brought a Bible with you, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at a story that, that what, what I wrote uh, as the title. It's, it's when Jesus broke the law again. Because he just seemed to do that over and over and over again. Now, some of it wasn't laws that he broke. It was traditions that he was stepping on. I don't know. It's Jesus was about bringing people in. He was about giving dignity to the people that, that had no dignity. He was about uh, showing love and compassion. There's a little spider up here. Could somebody get me like a piece of toilet paper or something? There's a little spider up here. Could somebody? I can just flick it. That, perfect. But he was about showing love and compassion and giving dignity to people. The oddest things happen to me when I preach. At the Burdan Church, at the Burdan Church, we ever been there when the wasps were attacking me? Ain't that, it's, it's really, it's, it's crazy. But he was about showing love and compassion to people. And on this occasion, uh, he has somebody that shows up with leprosy. Now, I'm just going to read it and then we're going to go back and talk about it. Luke chapter 5. Starting in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. Now, I know we've talked about it before, but but, but leprosy was a horrible disease. Um, There's a movie that came out, I don't know, 10 or 12, 15 years ago called The Kingdom of Heaven. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely the movie's worth a watch. But the the, the king of Jerusalem at that time, uh, he's somebody that had leprosy, and and, and it just kind of shows you what it was about. Now I thought about putting some pictures up there um, because you could Google it, but I, I would not be able to continue preaching. I have a weak stomach for that kind of a thing. But it was a horrible disease, and it would start as a little rash that would turn into sores, and it would it, it would grow over time. And as that as it grew, uh, you'd begin to lose feeling in those areas. And so what would happen to people that had leprosy was as they began to lose filling, they would, they would cut themselves or if they, they, they were cooking and they, 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 they burnt themselves on something, they wouldn't be able to tell. There's another uh, uh, disease that sometimes people are born with. It's called CPI. And I, I cannot pronounce what that stands for, what the letters stand for. But what it is, it's when you're born without any kind of a filling. And so... As, as a little kid, you just you don't you have no sensitivity, and so if you run into something, you just don't feel it. You suffer the effects of it. And what's really sad about it is that the t- people that are born with that typically don't live past 25, because they hurt themselves and they don't know it, and then it gets infected, and then it just it eventually claims them. Leprosy was kind of like that. You could hurt your finger, and it would become infected, and then you would have to lose the finger. Or you know, if it, you know, sometimes more tragically, an arm or a leg. And it's just kind of, it's, it's how it worked, and it was highly contagious. So if you were somebody that contracted leprosy, you were somebody that that you could not be around the general population. 
Um, there's um, um, God puts out some regulations for for when that happens to somebody. I think it's Leviticus chapter 14, if, if you're more interested in it. And so there was a time that Jesus was out preaching and he was teaching and he was healing. And all of a sudden, this guy that has these ailments came running up to him. And that was a huge, that was a huge no-no. Right? If you were somebody that had it, you, you had to live outside of the community. You would beg and you would pray and you would hope for somebody's generosity to bring you food, to bring you things that you needed, and drop them off, but then to, 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 to back away, to, to get away. You could not be in proximity to people. And so if you had a family, if you were a father, or if you had kids, you could no longer serve in that capacity anymore. It, your, your family, for all for practical purposes, had to, to, to dis disown you. If you had a job, you were going to lose it. If for some reason there was a, a, a caravan or something coming through, or you got caught near a market, a good Jewish rabbi, if they saw you in, in proximity, they would not even purchase things out of that area of the, the market. They would completely uh, uh, avoid it. And so uh, business owners and rabbis, they would carry rocks to be able to drive people away. Whenever they saw that somebody had leprosy, they just started throwing stuff at them until, and, uh, until they ran. That's how these people were, were treated. It was very sad and it was very unfortunate. And so one day, this guy against, uh, oh, the one more thing. If they were to begin to come in contact with people, if they were to see people approaching, they were told that they had to yell, unclean, unclean. They had to yell out that they had this ailment that nobody else would, 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 would want. And so if they were walking through a crowd or they were approaching a crowd, people would just begin to melt away from them because they had to yell, unclean. That was what was symbolic for them having this horrible thing. And so one, guy, one day, this guy that has this begins to approach Jesus, and, and, and he's not supposed to be doing this. He's doing it at risk to his own health. Right? If he sees, if, if there is somebody out there, a religious leader out there, or a business owner that's out there, sees this guy approaching, they're going to start throwing stuff at him. They're going to do what it takes to get this guy to go in a different direction. If there's just a crowd that's kind of ambivalent, they're going to begin to part as they see him approaching. But somehow he'd heard something about Jesus, that he was doing these, these types of miracles where he was healing the blind. He was healing the sick. He was healing people. And so he ran up to Jesus, and he just began to beg him, Jesus, can you heal me? Now, the Bible talks a lot about this category of unclean. A couple of years ago, we talked about the, the story of Haggai. And um, if you don't know where that's at, we're going to read a couple of verses out of it. It's, very, it's right towards the end of your Old Testament. But there was a prophet in the Old Testament whose name was Haggai who dealt with this idea of cleanliness. Now, he does it in kind of an odd way. Haggai was a prophet of God who came on the scene when God's people were not living in a way that they were supposed to. God's people had been living under a foreign captivity, and God blessed them in that situation. They were, they, they, they were prospering. They were treating, even though they were the captives, they were treating the, their, their owners. They were treating the people that were able to look down on them. They were treating them back with dignity and with respect, and God blessed them inside of this situation. And so over time, the king noticed this, and he said, 
what do you guys, do you, you know, are you guys happy? What do you guys want to do? And they mentioned, we would like to go back to our homeland. And he goes, okay, well, as long as you stay under our rule, you're free to go back to Jerusalem. And so they did. And they went back and the king sent them with money and supplies to be able to rebuild their temple to their God. They got back and they began the work. And another one of the uh, officials from a different part, uh, uh, a different nation that held held part of their people captive, caught wind of this, and he didn't want this to happen. So he put some red tape on the issue. Now, over a little bit of time, the red tape got issued, and they were given permission to begin to rebuild again, and they just didn't. Just for whatever reason, they didn't get back to building God's temple. And so the story of Haggai comes in, and he begins to challenge the people to rebuild their temple. But there's this story right in the middle of it that it says this, Haggai chapter 2, verse 20. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some white wine, some olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? He's asking that if you have something that's pure, if you have something that's clean, and it touches something that's unclean, does the, unth- does the unclean thing become clean? Right? The priests reply, no. The other day, Kim was asking me if I wanted to go to the pool. There's, our gym has a pool inside of it. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I began to go put on my socks and shoes. And she goes, no, I, I want to go to the pool. It doesn't require socks and shoes. It requires flip-flops. And so I hadn't had them on but maybe two minutes, but I, I took my, my socks back off. And where do they go? They go in the dirty clothes, right? I don't, I, they weren't even dirty yet, but they're not going back on my feet, right? It's, it's, it's unclean. A couple of weeks ago, whenever whenever Kim was out of town, Gwynny has this uh, pajamas that she likes to wear. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Trolls, it's basically a poppy costume, is what it is. But it's it's hilarious because it's like four sizes too big on her, and and she likes she she runs around and the sleeves are hanging off her hands and she tries to run but they're, it's flapping off the end of her feet and it's 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 hilarious. And Kim was out of town. So she slept in it one night. And the next day she wanted to sleep. It, she wanted to sleep in it again. I said, "Okay, let's go get it." She goes, "Did you wash it?" No. You can wear it again. We don't do that, Dad. Right? She's four. Right? We don't do that, Dad. Because she understood. Right? If I'm clean, I'm not gonna put this. Right? The, 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 the dirty thing. It's still dirty. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that on me. It's what the priest is asking. It's what God's asking. If you've got something that's clean and it comes into contact with something that's unclean, does the unclean thing become clean? The Apostle Paul would put it like this later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. Right? You know that. We don't believe it when it comes to us, right? We believe we can change people. But when it comes to our kids, right? We are zero focused, we're we're focused in on who they're hanging out with. Because we know that if they get hanging around with the wrong people, 
right? That most likely their good character is what's going to change, not the crowd they're running with. But we've got this thing. I have this thing to where I think that if I'm good and I hang around with people, I can change people. My wife had that thing when she married me. Little did she know it wasn't going to happen. I was going to stay the same Chris. Right? And she stayed the same Kim. Right? We don't change people unless people want to be changed. Right? Paul said, bad company corrupts good morals. The priests in Haggai's time said that clean things, when they touch unclean things, the unclean thing doesn't become clean. Purity never rubs off. But he continues in verse 13. Then the Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? So if there's something that's clean that touches something dirty, does the clean thing become dirty, defiled? Yes, said the priest, it becomes defiled. Now, I like to joke about my, my, my son, and I like to tell you about his successes. He's a bit of a germaphobe. And it's really funny because he's, he's, you know, he's a catcher in baseball, so he's always filthy when he comes off. He likes to go head first. He's just like that. But when his job at the house is to take out the trash, which is hilarious because our trash can, it's inside of a little closet that's off of our kitchen. So he won't touch that doorknob. So whenever he goes to take out the trash, he goes and he gets a paper towel to go over there and to grab the doorknob and to open it, and then he'll throw it in there, and he'll pull the trash can out. And even at the end, after he's taken the trash out, he'll go get another paper towel, right, which drives me nuts because these things aren't free, to go over there and to, to close the door. I'm like, just kick it, right? It's, you'll be, right? But the other day, I called him, and he had just taken out the trash, and he was standing in front of the sink, and I saw him get just an, a, a ridiculous amount of water and soap on his hands, and then he started doing this on his legs. I found out that the trash bag accidentally brushed his leg, and so he was having a meltdown in my kitchen. 14-year-olds. gets better. He finally did what I asked him to do. He grabbed a dish towel out of the drawer to, to, to wash his hands, or to dry his hands, and then to dry his legs in the kitchen. And then... What would you expect? Right, you throw the thing in the dirty clothes. Oh no, he put it back in the drawer. <laughs> what is? Hmm. I love being a dad. So what do you do? You would be so mad if somebody grabbed that, if somebody gave, did that and gave you that towel. Yeah? You don't see the, you don't see the correlation here. No, I don't. Right? This is what I'm dealing with. But you know, just like I know, the impurity, it always rubs off. Nobody wants that towel now, right? And when something's defiled and it gets touched, you become defiled. You become dirty. Purity never rubs off, but impurity... It always rubs off. It always gets on you. 
But then he says this in verse 15 in Haggai chapter 2. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. He goes, I want you to, I want you to make a correlation here. What I'm about to say next, I want you to hear, this is what Haggai's saying, I want you to hear, I want you to consider what's gone on before now until what happened and, 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 and the results of what's happened before now to what's going to happen from here forward and the results of what's going to happen here forward. He says, I want you to give careful thought to this from this day forward. Consider how things were done before one stone was laid upon another in the Lord's temple. That's what I was saying earlier. The temple was destroyed. They began to rebuild and then stopped. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there was only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there was only 20. He goes, I struck the work of your hands with blight, with mildew, with hail, but you didn't return to me. You didn't honor me with your life. But from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, I want you to give careful thought to the day when the foundations of the Lord's temple was laid. I want you to recognize that this day something different's going to happen after you began to honor me with your life again and, and, and began to do the thing that I asked you to do. Give careful thought. Is there any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, they've not borne fruit. But from this day on, I'm going to bless you. He said, you guys, you tried to live life the way that you wanted to. You didn't honor me with your life. And there was a consequence to that. You went out and worked, and, 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 and you farmed this many acres, and so you expected this to be your return, and you only got half of that back. He goes, you went to your, your vineyards, and you expected to produce this much wine, and you didn't even get back half of it. And he goes, and part of that, he goes, God's going, I have to let you know, because you weren't putting me first in your life, you weren't honoring me with your life, part of that was because of me. I wanted you to understand your need for a savior. He goes, but since you began to honor me with your life again, all that's going to change. See, I think about it like this, and I, I, I hope this makes sense. Last night, I told Kim I was going to Lowe's to try to find the most messed up piece of wood that I could find. Now. Whenever I go for wood that's straight, I can never find it. It's all crazy. I could not believe, I stood there for 10 minutes, and this was the worst piece of wood that I could find. If I was trying to do something productive, it would have been way worse, right? And it would have been over and over, and so I was a bit disappointed. But I don't know if you can tell about the bow, bow that this piece has. Can you see the bow in this piece of wood? Let me put it next to the, to, to the straight piece of wood. So next to that, you can see, it's not very, right? At least one of the pieces, there's something wrong with. If we turn it like this, match the bottom up, right? It's got a pretty good warp in it. Here's what I think God's trying to say. 
based off how you've chosen to live your life. Some of it's internal. Some of it's the choices that you've made, right? I've chose to get angry when I know that I shouldn't have, right? I've chose to get angry at my kids. I've chose to get angry when I got cut off in traffic. I've chose, right? I'm going, I need to control this, but I don't. Right? I just want to tell that guy he's number one right now. I just, I, I want to, I, I, I want to tell him off. I wouldn't mind pulling the car over. I, I, something like that. I've chosen. There's been times that I've chosen not to honor my wife when I've said things that were cutting and I shouldn't have. There's times when I've chose to, when I've chosen not to tell the truth. Right? That's a PC way of saying that I've lied. Right? I've not honored whoever I was talking to with the truth. There's times when you've done the same. You've made a decision to choose to live in a way that's not been honoring to God. Right? The Bible calls that sin. Okay? It says there's three types of sin. There's the general sin that we all get involved in. There's the word trespasses, which means I go places where I shouldn't be. And then there's the word iniquities. Right? That's the inner warping of our uh, inner person. Right? It's things that you're predisposed to. It's things that happened in your heritage that have carried on into you. you I don't know why I'm like that. You're, you're, you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. Right? It's those type of things. Right? Not the good parts, but the bad parts. Right? Based off that, how you've chosen to live your life, things that have happened to you, things that have been imposed upon you, That's the best you are, right? Could be worse. That's the best you can hope to be. But if you're like me, what I do is I spend my time trying to make me look like that over there, right? I don't want you to know how bad I am. I don't want you to see how warped I am. And so I spend my time and I fight against who I am and who I've become so that you see that and this instead of this. Am I even getting this any straighter? I'm sweating, right? Because it's a fight. When you don't want somebody to see who you really are and you try to keep all that ridiculousness on the inside, it's a fight to look like somebody that you're not. But that's what we do. God says in Haggai that you... We're not honoring with your life. And because of that, you weren't getting the expectation that you thought that you were going to get. The leper in Jesus' life, I know leprosy was a real thing. It caused people to, to, to flee when a leper came on the scene. But leprosy is to the body what the, the, the parts of you that you're not happy with, the shame that you feel, the, the, the embarrassment of things that people have done to you, right? That you go, if people knew, they would treat me the same way that, 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 that people would treat a leper. There's no possible way that they could love me if they really knew who I was. Leprosy is an, a, a physical manifestation of what we all feel on the inside. That if people really knew me, they would treat me the same way that the people were supposed to treat that leper. But that's not how Jesus treats the leper, and it's not how he treats us. Here's what he says back over in Luke chapter 5. The leper says, Lord, 
If you're willing, can you make me clean? And then Jesus does the unthinkable in verse 13. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. You don't do that. Because leprosy was so highly contagious. You don't do that. Can something that's pure make something that's unpure clean? Jesus can. Jesus goes, look, you don't have you don't have to fight. You don't have to go through that struggle. I can make you clean. I couldn't even imagine trying to use something like this in the house, right? At the drywall, if you're trying to put a wall up, your nail pattern would be ridiculous. Jesus goes, I know this is what your life looks like, but if you'll let me touch you, if you'll let me walk with you, we can build something beautiful with this. We can build something that honors my Father with this. It says that Jesus reached out and he touched this man. I'm willing, he said. I want you to be clean. And it says immediately the leprosy left him. Now this happened from time to time in the Old Testament as well. Every now and then, a leper community, they would be out there and they would notice, I, I think you're getting better. It was rare, but it happened. And there was a prescription for this as well. They were to go try to find somebody to go find a priest for them so a priest could come and examine them. And if it was true, if the leprosy had gone away, they were to be reacclimated back into the community. They could go back to work. They could go back to being a part of their family. They could go back to being a, 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 a functional. They didn't have to be an outcast anymore. There was nobody throwing rocks at them anymore. There was nobody parting when they came when they, they came around anymore. They got to all the, the 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 benefits of being a part of the community again. They said the leprosy left this man, and Jesus ordered him, "Don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest." and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to him. See, Jesus knew that if he could get the priest to sign off on this guy, that, that he would be able to, 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 to be accepted back into the community. The guy that a week ago would have been throwing stuff at him, get away, get away. I'm unclean, I'm, get out of the city, go away, go away. He knew that if he could get that guy to sign off on this guy, that the guy would be able to get his rights back, his freedoms back, his privileges back. It says, but then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go. But then verse 15 says, news about this spread everywhere. And all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus was, forced, was Jesus was forced to withdraw to lonely places and prayed. See, I find it so weird that if you've taken on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know 
this is what you were. And you know that while you still have that, you know that Jesus is turning you into something that's useful. Okay? We know that. We want to act like and we still want to fight to make people think that we're that on our own. But Jesus tells this guy that had been cleansed from leprosy, don't go tell anybody. And apparently, he goes and tells everybody. And it looks like it puts a little bit of a damper on Jesus' ministry. But the ironic thing is, after Jesus died and was buried and came back from the dead, he says, I want my followers now to go tell everybody. Sometimes we don't tell anybody. We're not supposed to go show ourselves to the priest. We're supposed to go show ourselves to the world. See, I believe it was Peter that said, we're always supposed to have a reason to be able to tell people about the reason for the hope that we have. We're always supposed to have our reason. We're always supposed to have our story ready to when somebody goes, I knew you. You used to be this, but now you're this. How did that happen? I don't get it. How did that happen? And we're supposed to be ready to talk about that. But we don't. See, Jesus is in the business of fixing broken things. We said earlier that he's in the business of healing the hurts that nobody else can heal. He's in the business of using broken things. He's in the business of using the dishonored things. That he wants to use people that are just like you and me. But in doing so, he wants us to go back out into the world and talk about the difference that he's made in our life. Not just hoard it. Not just act like it didn't happen. Not act like we did this by ourselves. So like I said, Peter said, to always be prepared to have an answer for the reason of the hope that you do. But when Jesus left this earth, what he, the last words to his disciples were, it was, guys, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I want you to go make disciples of all the nations. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, surely I'll be with you always to the end of the age. So even when we continue to make these kind of choices, he says, I want to walk with you. And I want to keep molding you. And I want you to stop fighting. And I want you to have a conversation with my son. I want you to let him walk with you and continue to transform you and continue to change your life. And then I want you to tell people what he did in your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I want to thank you for today. God, I don't know why we're so afraid to tell people about you. You do the most miraculous things. Sometimes it's a physical thing that somebody has. Sometimes it's a hurt. Sometimes it's a habit we need to break. But you're still in the business of healing people. God, I pray that you give us the courage to talk about what you've done in our life. God, if, help us to take the time to think through that. Sometimes, Father, I know for me, I've been a Christian for so long I forget. But then I just look around at the mistakes I made yesterday. And I'm still the same old Chris. That you're still healing and working with and making new. So God, help me to trust you. Help us to trust you when you say that you want to use us. And then help us to tell people what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.